When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Record Celtic Podcast. My name is Daniel Conn. I'm delighted to be joined by Record Sports Gordon Parks and Michael Gannon. Guys, how are you both? Daniel, very well. How are you? Very good, thanks. Mick, yourself? All good. All the better to see you, chaps. <laughs> What's that, Parsi? Free haircut, yeah. Free haircut. Free holiday haircut. Not and long now. Mick's only got six good haircuts left in him. <laughs> uh, definitely, definitely do it single figures. Don't bow your head, Mick. Keep your head up, chin up. No. Yeah. <laughs> That's harsh. Um, yeah. A dodgy, a dodgy backline. <laughs> uh, I think the best place for us to start, guys, since we did a Celtic podcast. Brother Gannon. <laughs> There's been another derby match, of course, between Celtic and Rangers. I know it's a few days ago now, but I definitely think it's worth starting on. I mean, Celtic, I know they, they get a wee bit of luck in the end, but Gordon, it's fair enough to say that they were... Definitely worthy of the win. Daniel, the consistent theme of all Old Firm games this season is you've got one team who has so much strength and depth, attacking weapons, class, quality, verve, confidence, a system and structure that they can adapt uh, against the Rangers team that trying to keep their head above water at that level. And I think you saw it again at the weekend. Celtic have got class performers, key individuals that take responsibility, people that step up in the big moments and the big occasions. And Rangers don't. And it's again, it's a substandard Rangers team against a, a terrific Celtic side. And again, time and time again, you're seeing that. What did you think, Mick, of the game just generally? Yeah, I don't I don't quite buy the narrative that, that, that Rangers were all that fantastic, deserved something more from the game, I think. I think Celtic were deserved the victory. Um, it was a pretty... Fairly close game. I think you look at all the all the metrics. You, you judge a kind of game, chances created, shots and goal, shots and target, corner kick. Celtic went on top possession, on top of all those metrics. I think Celtic were mostly the dominant team. I think Rangers had a good spell just before, just after they got the disallowed goal and just after the start of the second half, after they scored right before the first half finished. I think they had a decent little spell. Didn't create. I think the one chance that, that Joe Hart saved. I think, for the most part, I think you always felt that Celtic had another gear, and the, the threat they had going forward, you always felt Celtic were going to cause, cause problems and score goals. I think um, I, the outcry about the goal that was rolled out, I think it was, it was a really soft decision. I think any team would feel hard done by. Um, if it had been a defender on the other side pushing, would the team be calling for a penalty kick? Probably, yes, they would. Therefore, it could be a foul. I think it was soft, but I think I can see why the decision was made. What I don't quite buy is that if that goal is scored, that I don't know if that means that the Rangers go on to win the game. I, I still doubt it. I still think Celtic had enough to cause them problems. The Rangers did score an equaliser and, and Celtic kind of kicked on again afterwards. But it went to 3-1. I actually thought for a period 
that Celtic, I think, um, Ange Postcola put on uh, O and a few other subs. And I thought, and Haxabanovic, I thought, he, he smells blood here. I think he, I think he was thinking four, five. And at that point, it could have been. But Rangers, in fairness, swung it again. They got a goal from a kind of second shake piece, uh, second, second phase shake piece, and it made it interesting towards the end. But I never felt that Celtic, at that point, at 3 2, even three each wouldn't really damage Celtic in terms of league um, position. Um, I thought they were fairly comfortable. I just think Celtic were not at their best, and yet that below par performance was still more than enough to, to see off Rangers, which kind of shows the work being done for Rangers in terms of going to Hamden at the end of this month and for next season. Um, because I think Celtic can play better and will play better um, in the future. I know it's been talked about to death a wee bit now, but just on that Morelos non-goal, Gordon, I mean, like, I could understand why people were annoyed. I thought it was soft, but I don't think it was the outrageous. I mean, Alan McCoy's in commentary saying it was an embarrassment and stuff like that. If you watch it, Morelos does have his two hands at one point on uh, Johnson's back. I do think it was soft, but I don't think it was ridiculous as some people have made out. Daniel, I spoke to Stephen Conroy, the former referee, this week, and he points out that referees are only... They're carrying out instruction to the letter, and there's a ruling that's an issue. Contact in the box is allowed, but it is a push. So I can see why it was given, but again, it's classic deflection. Let's take the talk away from the defeat. Let's create a victimhood. There's uh, always this old firm fallout grievance, and there's always isolating incidents. Was it a free kick? Probably. It probably was. I just think that it's classic deflection. And listening to the remarks from the Rangers management and players after the game, they lost the game. They're trying to take plaudits or some kind of merit from another defeat. Football is about winning and losing games. Celtic Rangers, you can't have defeats, nowhere, right? And I just think the hyperbole over this incident and the hysteria behind it, and some of it even more so sinisterly so, uh, poisonous kind of remarks coming out of that. Especially Kevin Clancy, we can talk about that. Yeah. I think it's dangerous, and I just think it's total deflection. And I can see why the decision was given, but it wasn't as much as pivotal to the greater picture. Mm-hmm. Just, I lost that game four, five, one. Could be worse. Just, I mean, just on the game itself again, Mick. I thought a couple of things jumped out at me. The first thing I thought Johnston was a real standout. I think he definitely looks like an upgrade on Juranovic. No harm to Juranovic, who's a good player, but he looks like a cut above. I think the price of the pay, that's amazing business. Yeah, I, start, I don't know if I'd say a cut above as yet. Because, um, you know, it was a good player. It's like a guy who played in the World Cup, got to the, the last four. Um, I think maybe brings a wee bit more in terms of going forward, you know, which defensively, yeah, I think I think Johnson has been a terrific signing, not just because he's a, he's a good player and he's defensively very, very strong. Um, I think his personality is... is, is um, Integrated into the squad very impressively as well. I think he's, he's a real infectious character. He does get wired in. I mean, I mean fans are going to love him because he does get stuck in. He's not scared to get um, do the rough stuff as well. In a few moments at the weekend that were a bit risky, I think he was the one that, that kind of made a bit of a mess. Um, they built up to the Morelos chance that, that Joe Hart saved, I mentioned earlier on. Um, so he had a few nervy moments, but he also had some moments that really got the, the crowd on their feet, some crunching tackles and, and, and really getting wired in. Um, so you can see why he's a, a real favourite for the supporters. But he had been a great bit of business. I've been selling you know, for ten million, buying him for three. It's only twenty-four. Um, t- tremendous business, um, but by the manager, um, and he's and he's only going to get better. I think he will improve. I think going forward, he will get better as the, as the weeks go on and the months go on. 
Um, but defensively, certainly, he's given them a bit of bite, and he's um, he's been tremendous. And the other thing that jumped out at me, Gordon, was, and I know we've spoke about it before in the Celtic podcast. I know that you reckon Rio Itati is the best player in the country, and he wasn't even playing. That, that's the thing that jumps out. I mean, people are talking about the game at Hamden and trying to make a, a game of it and stuff, and I'm sure it will it will be close, but. Celtic were without their best player last weekend. I do. I still think he is. He's most impactful. I think he takes more responsibility in him. Yeah, I think he's key to the Celtic style. Certainly the way they press. He's, he's certainly the pivotal figure there. But again, you've got Celtic players full of personality. They bring a personality to the occasion. They go and influence the game as you expect them to do it. And they're stronger. Mick talks about the personality in Johnson. And I think clearly he's got the composure and temperament to go and cope and participate and play his part. There's no hiders at Celtic. I don't think Ange Postacoglu tolerates that. And I think it's clear that these players are desperate to go make an impact, desperate to go and be part of the of the collective, the performance. And I think that's Celtic's greatest strength, that they can do without... I mean, Palin McGregor was missing for large spells with his injury. They've had Diogo missing. He's a talisman. These are people that really influence games. And they've got so much strength and depth that they can afford to do without. I, I thought Atati was a big miss. The weekend, actually, I think he his his presence was, was greatly missed by Celtic uh, in terms of the way they play, especially against Rangers. Uh, it didn't help that listen, poor, poor Aaron Moy, who has been probably the, one of the stars of the season, an unexpected hero. This this other team, he was absolutely howling. I mean, fair play, come back from injury, uh, clearly looked, looked rusty. Um, so you can't, you can't fault the guy for the reason he's been playing this season, but he had a, he had a shocker on Saturday. Nothing, everything he did, nothing came off. I mean, he's looking at how he's playing the pair of wellies at times. <laughs> and it's not like him because he's him and Hitati in recent months, they've been so key to the way play. They play the ball at your feet into these guys in tight areas. They can control it, drag in opposition players two and three at a time, knock a pass in behind them and take them out of the game. Um, and I think uh, I think Moy just couldn't seem to get that going. He took the ball in tight a few times and it just bounced off him and he gave it away and he was chasing. And the poor guy, listen, he, he, he burst like up and he was trying to work through it for an hour, but it was clearly not going to be his day. Um, and Hattati is a big miss. I thought Matt Arelli played really well. Um, I know people think he seems to think he's off the boil or something. I don't I don't quite see that myself. I think he was I thought he was really effective. He saw his his his, um, his movement and his ability for the for the, the opening goal. Um, but it's, it's no doubt. I think Hatati's loss was was felt uh, at the weekend, and instead of hoping he's fit, uh, I think. Sorry, Mike. Didn't mean, I didn't mean to cut you off there. Sorry, but I think it's important to bring up the O'Reilly bit because he, he has weirdly been getting a bit of stick from Celtic fans. Like, or maybe not stick, but he's been getting stick. I don't I, that's, that's the wrong phrase. But I thought he was really good at the weekend. It was good to see him have a good game in such a, a big game. I don't think he's been. I don't think he's been particularly poor at any point in time. To be honest with you, I mean, I think it's been hard for him. But I think he, he kind of played a deeper role when when when, when parts had mentioned that McGregor was injured. He played deeper, uh, and by the way, he helped negotiate Celtic through that spell unbeaten, and he was playing really well in a deeper role. Not really his preferred position. position. And then during that period, Alan Moy came in and really established himself further to the park, which meant that when, when McGregor came back fit, he was the one that had to sit it out. And he's getting bits and pieces at the end of games and all that stuff, and he couldn't quite get ahead of steam up. So I, I can quite understand why he's not quite at the same level he was at. Um, maybe even in the second half of last season, he was spectacular. And that's it's going to be hard to maintain for a 21 year old anyway. Is he not like the kind of point in case that the calibre of player itself at the moment? Now, 
O'Reilly could probably improve his scoring stats, and that's part of his repertoire. He has to get better at. Satati brings you goals. Moyes will score you a goal. Others there, McGregor will score you a goal. Yeah. See the Riley, see the, the score and start thing. It's a bit of red herring as well. The same with Hattati, he doesn't score that many goals. But the way the guys play is the reason why Jota's got 13, Abada's got 12, Kyogo's got 28. Because of the way these guys play and, and that side, they create the space and opportunities for others to go and score the goals. So I, I wouldn't be getting hung up on, on, on not scoring double figures. Because there's four or five guys who have got double figures because of those two. Yeah, I'm not I'm not arguing that fact, and I think you're spot on. I think the function of the, the guys that you've mentioned to allow the, the guys to go and shine is, is, is clear. But O'Reilly, for me, will be getting no short of offers. So clubs down south could take him in a moment for a lot of money, but he can't get in the Celtic team on a regular basis. That shows you the kind of golf and calibre and the haves and the have-nots, the rest, and I include Rangers amongst that. Yeah. And you can go through the team, really, Jota, I thought was brilliant as well. Um, but you mentioned Kyogo there, uh, Nick, obviously 28 goals now for the season. I know I'm going to, I know there's no real answer to this, but it's like how long is a piece of string? But we had a vote on Record Sport Online the other day about is he the best striker since Hendrik Larson? <laughs> and I know you won't forgive me for asking, throwing that your way, but Mac, we'll start with yourself. What do you think? Listen, they're a good list, isn't there? I mean, you're looking at who are the best in 20, what, 20 years. Um, so, you're looking at Gary Hooper in there, scored a ball of the goals, great finisher. So we, we, we had, I even included Robbie Keane, but I know he was only six months, but Hooper, Dembele, Edward, Griffiths, McDonald, and then the sort of two loans, Keane and Bellamy, but even really. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, Keenan Bellamy, longer term of the careers, it's not really, not really a, a contest, really, you think about it. But in terms of Celtic's permanent signings, Edward, top player. I think Dembele was probably the most complete out of all those guys. He had both feet, left foot, right foot, pace, good in the air. Um, I think it's hard pushed in terms of ability to see past him. Hooper was a tremendous goal scorer, wasn't he? Scott McDonald was another one, great goal scorer. Scored different kinds of goals. Um, look, Griffiths, I know, I know it didn't end very well for him. You look at his scoring numbers through the years. Uh, a season he scored 40, he was, he was terrific. The season he, uh, under Neil Lennon, when he, he came back after Christmas and helped them win the league, uh, it was really it was lethal. Um, so he's in good company, but he's definitely up there, I think, Kyogo. I mean, he's, he's, his numbers now, was that, was that 28 goals in, I don't know how many games he's had. I mean, basically one and two, isn't it? Mm-hmm. In terms of starts as well. Um He's been terrific. I mean, he's got three chances that we can score three goals. One of them was, was ruled off uh, offside. Um, movement just tremendous, so quick. And even things like uh, when it's highlighted by some people who are much smarter than, than myself and, and Patsy, I'm, I'm sure. But the third goal uh, against Rangers, if you look at it, the, um, it looks like a mistake from Suter. Maybe Arm McGregor's not quick enough off his line. Then you look at the pressing, Jota's pressing Suter, forcing the mistake. But if you look across, Kyogo is belting out towards the touchline to, to shut off um, Tavernier so that McGregor can't pass the ball to him. So he needs to move it back to Celtic, beginning to get the ball on attack again. That, that kind of thing is, is unnoticed sometimes, but it's so key to this, this team. I mean, he runs all day, harassing the life out of defenders, and then when it comes to attacking, his movement is so, is so special that he must be an absolute nightmare to play against. He's now scored about five goals in his last, four, uh, last three or four games. Um, it does the same with a few other teams in this league as well. I mean, it's not just Rangers. I mean, Hearts are haunted by them as well. They just, they just can't cope with 
Um, and he's well underway to being a, a real, a real top class Celtic striker. He is there, is there already? Let's be honest, he's there already. He's put twenty eight goals in forty four games. Just looked up there, so I mean that's. I was close. I was You're close. close. That is incredible. But so you, you would, would you have Dembele just in front of him, Mick, in terms of since? I think Dembele's a more complete player. Um, yeah, I think he's up there. I think he's up there with he likes your your Pupa. Uh, Griffiths, maybe Edward. I think he's, they're, they're all kind of much. I think they're all on a similar kind of level. I think. I think Dembele was a wee bit of a cut of bank. Dembele plus the European aspect as well. I mean, Dembele did the business in the Champions League, didn't he as well? Scored against some cracker against Man City, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Um, gets a move to 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 Leon. All right, it's not. I think he's maybe had injuries through his career. It's not helped him either. But I think in terms of a complete striker. Yeah, I mean, I'm a complete nightmare again to play against. He's everything, the strength as well. He had that physical aspect that that Cowboy might not have, uh, as well as the, the speed, the movement, and the finishing. So yeah, I think well, there's not much in it. Um, but it's a good, it's a, it's a, it's a pub debate, isn't it? What, what do you think, Gordon? Would you have Cowboy at the top? Speaking, of, speaking of pub debates, here's your man talking here. <laughs> I think what's interesting is that you don't diminish what Griffiths did for the club. Aye. You're looking for, listen, like for likes, a difficult thing, as Mick says. Griffiths is a maverick, a craftsman, an opportunist, but he had a real, real flair, and some of the timings of his goals and the moments, critical moments that he intervened to score goals. Miss that power and pace, strength, he could operate at a higher level Champions League because of, he's, a, he's a more accomplished package, a more impressive package. A pedigree player. Griffiths wasn't a pedigree player. He was what he, he was. When you're talking movement, no, Larson's movement was phenomenal. Kyogo's movement's on a different level from anything that had been before. I just think, I think, uh, I think he's ready to step into that kind of Larson-esque kind of uh, status. I think as well, just on that, it's important to remember what Griffiths did, but see Scott McDonald as well. I don't think anyone would really... He wouldn't know about pubs because he no longer goes out, right? <laughs> no longer leaves the house. <laughs> I said, this is unfortunately true. <laughs> I wish it wasn't. But um, McDonald's goes against Man United, AC Milan winner. Yeah. It goes against Rangers. Brilliant striker as well. Celtic mm-hmm. have been really blessed since yeah. Larson left, really. Again, again, we're talking about pedigree levels. And Scott McDonald was a, a good fit for Celtic at that particular time because he was a penalty box sniffer. No. Uh, again, you're talking about pedigree. He's not in the level that we're talking about the guys previously. Sadly for Scott, even though he was a great servant. I think he's up there as well. I think I think I'd put him on that same level as well. Scott McDonald. Um, listen, there's a lot of guys. I mean, Carson, you're Hayden. If you played with this Celtic team, you'd fancy getting double figures for the season, surely. I remember playing alongside. Never get double figures for the season, passing. Eddie, never, never get double figures for my entire. What about appearances? No, nine, nine. <laughs> I once finished top scorer at Clyde when they played in the championship. And guess what my tally was? Five. Oh. Five. <laughs> five. But there were five goodies. I played alongside Eddie Annan at Clyde's, who was a Rangers fanatic, as a Rangers nut. He used to sell programmes at Ibrox, an absolute fanatic. And he thought he could score 20 or 30 goals at Rangers, and he probably could have done. It's a fortunate place to be. If you're in the forward line of either of the old firm, you're scoring 20 plus. And if you're not, you fail. I think that's pretty fair. Oh, oh take the point, though. Take the point. Unfortunately, the, the downside that comes with Kyogo being such an amazing talent, Mick, is that we're getting towards the summer. Inevitably, there's going to be rumours. I'm sure there's plenty of teams looking at him. But 
Do you think his performance on Saturday and the way he's been playing, is it pushing price-wise into another echelon? I mean, I'd, I'd, I don't even know how Celtic would begin to, to value him at this point. It is, but listen, a player's only worth the team to pay for him. And I think he, he might find that he falls into a kind of strange twilight zone that, that he, he might not be the most suitable for the, the English market because he's probably at a level in the English market. I mean, your big, your big six top eight are buying guys at 80, 90 million pound strikers and all that stuff, and he's not there. So then you're looking down maybe the, towards the bottom, half of the half, half of the Premier League, and these teams aren't looking for a, a little um, live wire striker who can make great movement and all that stuff. They want a bit of physical presence, and, and that they play different kind of way. Um, so his market for that level is, is, is maybe, I think, slightly tricky for him in terms of if he wants to play that level. Continent, who knows, he could go anywhere. Um, but no, I think I think Celtic, if anyone did pick up the phone, Celtic would be demanding top door for him. Um, I think he's got to do it in Europe next year as well. I think that's important to show that he can he can cut it at the Champions League level and score a few goals at that level, which is again famously hard as well. Um, I think I there's a large anomaly here. There's something behind this. He's not even a Japanese international. Exactly. Crazy. Bizarrely. Um nobody can seem to figure that one out to be honest with you. I mean we saw Japan at the World Cup and they were really good. But you think they could have done with them? Actually, I mean in terms of a cutting edge up front, you think, how's this guy not in the team? Um they have got a, they have got a really good side, don't get me wrong. Um you think you'd be room for him. Obviously Dyson Maydig is in that squad, who is a, is a good effective player as well. And he plays more centrally for his country. Um but you think but I can understand perhaps why the way they play has kind of energised our bunny routine. It works at international level as well. But you know, you think Kyogo would get an odd at some point. Um, he's, 20, he's 28 now as well. Um, so it's, it's a strange one, but I think I don't think Celtics would be too concerned about losing him anytime soon. But um, enjoy him while he lasts. That's the, that's the kind of message, isn't it? Am I being far too naive, Gordon, to think that... Um... You know, if a Crystal Palace or a Southampton or someone right down at the bottom of the, or you know, Bristol City or something come in for Kyle, am I being far too naive to think? And sorry, and with Ange as well, to think that they would look at it and go, "Now look, I know there's more money, but we're at one of the biggest clubs in Europe, Champions League, winning trophies." Is that too naive? Daniel, show me yeah. a Celtic player, right? Show me a Celtic player or a Celtic manager that hasn't jumped for the money. Show me a player that hasn't jumped for the money. Listen, it's noble of you to still believe that there is, that these people exist, that loyalty means more than extra thousands of pounds. They don't exist in football. Mm -hmm. It's a hard reality for fans to accept. I don't agree with Mike, actually. I think Kogo does something that very few people do. Consistently puts the ball in the back of the net. I think he could do England and play. Well, listen, the odds, odds say what we can be like a game these days. I think Kogo's a, a better craftsman. Um, I think he's got more strings to his, to his bow, and I think for a minute, if you've got that movement and that perception to anticipate the way he has, it's a special thing, and people pay a special amount of money to get that. And I think you'll be surprised. Ange, I've said it before, off like a shot. The big club comes in off like a shot. Do you think Ange Postecoglou has not got agents working for him? I know the agency that he's with. I know the background. I know the ambition that he has. He would be the first person to reject the option, but he's not going to re reject it because it's a natural law. You move to the bigger fish. 
Yeah, but if that's the case, partly, then uh, if you're Irish Post and Coggle at this point in time, and there's been 13 jobs that come up in England, yeah. 13 this season, right, in Premier League England, and there's been a talk for about eight of them, probably at some point all 13, his name has been mentioned uh, with them, and there may or may not have been interest at a level higher up, but it's not came to anything, and the, the question hasn't been firmly posed to Celtic from any of these 13 jobs. That would concern me is if it was me and I think why is this why why is the, the phone not ringing more more often for this these kind of jobs because if you're not getting Brighton, Wolves, Southampton twice, Everton, Crystal Palace, Leeds, if you're not getting phone calls for these guys and pushed hard for these jobs, then you're not going to get Spurs, you're not going to get Chelsea. So again, mate, back to the an argument that will hurt Daniel Unfortunately, it's it's football view, Scottish. If you're a chief executive that was sponsored, if you're a chief executive at Southampton, you're diminishing, you're, you're rejecting the standard of Scottish football. It's, it's, a, it's a misconception about the game up here. Unfortunately, listen, Neil Lennon won everything they could win up here. He beat Barcelona, they got to the last 16 in the Champions League. Yeah. Tremendous achievement. Listen, Neil Lennon was a tremendous Celtic manager. And his first spell did a great job. His second spell also done a great job. Had the one bad season and it all went uh, a, bit, uh, a bit wrong. His second spell beats Lazio home and away to finish top of his group in the in Europa League. Look at the, look at the jobs getting offered. He went to Bolton. He went to left Celtic after he got beaten Barcelona. He went to Bolton. Brendan Rodgers is slightly different. Brendan Rodgers got a job at Leicester. I don't think in the back of what he did at Celtic. I think he got the back of his previous track in England. Yeah. Steven Gerrard gets a job at Aston Villa because he's Steven Gerrard, not because he achieved at Rangers. Unfortunately, whether we like it or not, the, the view in England up here isn't, isn't particularly high. Um, and that is going to hamper Portacoglu or anyone else working in this environment, unfortunately. Can I be controversial here? Right? See his personality. It works against him as well. When he's working in board, boardrooms down south, he's not charismatic. He doesn't. He seems to be a bit dour and abrasive. He seems insular. He doesn't sell himself for promoting. That works for Celtic fans because he's I been success. success. I, don't, I don't. I totally don't agree with that part. Uh, it's a show yeah. business. It's a show. It's a show business world, like yeah, at, well, jobs. I think. I think. I mean, listen. I don't think it's nature is is to be particularly showbiz, but he's a guy who Celtic fans hangs every word. Because he talks so much sense, he, he speaks really well. He, barely a word is misplaced when he talks to, to us guys and us idiots in the press. Uh, he came to play attractive football. He's, um, listen, he's he's more pragmatic than people think. Make out think think things are kind of swashbuckling style. It's, it's all done. It's not. He's also he's also he's also a manager. Wait a minute. Hold on. He's also a manager. I agree with you, right? But again, you're falling out in the trap that people from down south are polarising and magnifying his achievements and what he's like. He has to step out a wee bit. And has he, is he that kind of guy? I suggest he's not. That's all I'm saying. I, well, I totally disagree with you. I totally disagree with that aspect of things. I think um, he's, a, he's, he's proved he's a manager of substance um, and with, his, with what he says and what he does and the way his team plays. Um, and I think there's been certain jobs in England in particular he looks made for. I mean, Spurs and couldn't, by the way, I think Spurs would, 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 would do a fantastic job at Spurs. But it's not sexy enough for these teams because they're in the market for Conte, Mourinho. Just defeating the argument. You look at teams at the bottom league, Crystal Palace go back and get Roy Hodgson, who's 144 years old. Everton go and get Sean Dice because they're in big bother, so they go and get Sean Dice because that's what teams do. It used to be Sam Allardyce, now it's Sean Dice. Um, 
So what is, do you all have in common, Mick? Hmm? What did Sam Allardyce have, have in common? He promoted himself more than any other manager in the English game ever, right? Well, they're kind of, they're build is safe, a safe pair of hands, whereas I think Puskal was maybe looked at as a risk because the CV says one trophy's in Australia, one trophy's in Japan, one trophy's in Scotland. And unfortunately, that's not France, Germany, Spain. So that's, the, that's what's against him. The fact he's been successful every job he's been in, including his national team as well, doesn't really matter because it's not in the big so-called big five leagues, Italy, France, Germany, Spain, because that's what they look for these guys. They look for, and even when, even down the, down the leagues, they look for the German coach who got promoted with Hanover or something like that, some trendy guy. That, that, if that's the kind of the fashionable thing to do, get a German coach. Klopp did really well, gets get all get German coaches. Then a Spanish coach did well with some fourth division team in Spain, got to all the way through with the divisions, won't get loads of Spanish coaches. They follow the trends, and unfortunately, the trends never involved teams from Scotland. Just to finish on that, just I wouldn't for a second wish to speak on behalf of the whole Celtic sport, but as I, you know, I think a lot of Celtic fans would accept them going to a Spurs, an Arsenal, a Man City, a Liverpool, wish them well, they'd be excited for them, proud of them even. But I, I think if Bournemouth come in or something and he left, I think that's almost that's disappointing. And Brendan Rodgers, how the Celtic fans took to him departing the scene. But even Leicester. I mean, Leicester, Celtic to Leicester. I know I, I get the money, but I just, yeah. I, I don't know. Well, listen, Brendan Rodgers took Leicester and won the FA Cup and took and all that stuff. Listen, he did a fantastic job at Leicester. Not a big club in Celtic. Played yeah. a bigger league. Um, at some point, Portugal we might think it might be a, a team who are a little bit more kind of inventive, who are pushing towards the, the top of the championship, might come in and ask the question. They might fancy that challenge to go and then take a team out of the Premier League. That may be his best best option. But then again, I think I think he is content where he is. I think he's, he's rhetoric, especially he since the cup final. He's, he's just he's, he's a content man who's the king of his castle. Just keep eating your sweeties for a minute, right? <laughs> the judgment area for any Celtic manager is going to be Europe. Yes. He failed in Europe. Now, that is a black mark against them. Now, I know that you can talk about 45 minutes against Real Madrid or this or that. They failed. And again, if you're looking across the border and you already think that it's a Mickey Mouse operation and you don't really give any gravitas to the success that Celtic have achieved, clearly there's a, there's a case to be made that they're doing the right thing by diminishing, dis dismissing a quality Celtic team in a bad environment. Has to do something in Europe. Whether there's clamour for, for Ange to be put at the top of the list of some of these big, big clubs, it doesn't yeah for a reason. I agree, partly that's what he has to do, but I also it's not fair because if you look at the way the English game going now, is Celtic's budget is probably on a par with one or two teams at the bottom of the Premier League and probably some of the ones at the top of the Championship. So if you take uh, well, look at Burnley this year, right? Burnley won the Championship, probably a budget somewhere at Celtic's, right? You parachute Burnley straight in the Champions League. Would you expect them to win? No. You get gubbed. You get gubbed. They probably get gubbed six times. Right. We we ask your I mean, Rangers going to the Champions League. You're missing the point here again, right? Burnley and get got, how much do Champions League clubs in England get automatically? It's part of the pyramid. They get eight how much do you get if you win the Scottish Premier League? The Premier League, how much do you get? Exactly. Million, right? The Celtic don't judge it. That's that's chicken feet in comparison to what they accrue from the exploits in Europe and what they get from the Champions League, right? So if I'm saying get 140 million pounds from some of the domestic football, 140 million pounds, right? If they're lucky, they bank about 30 odd million for Champions League. So you get 
five times the money for price and bottom in the English Premier League and you get championship clubs. Championship clubs, the only budget is running about the same as Celtic, so that's this season. And if yeah. they the Champions League now, they get hammered. And nobody expect them to get anything else but hammered. But as we said at the bar for our Scottish teams, Celtic are posting record record revenues because of the championship. The same revenues they posted 20 years ago. They're a hundred million pound turnover company, as the same as they were in 2003. But as teams in England, turnover, you can switch them off. Just telling you the, the bare facts, but I say that we we expect more of our teams in Champions League than probably should, because it's a harder ask for them. I'll let you both into a secret. This is why I wrote you guys in this week's the Celtic Pod because these are my my favourite two to do it with. <laughs> um, but I think, look, we could talk about it forever. Um, I should say for everyone listening, you can find us uh, at dr under slash Celtic on Twitter, obviously at record slash, uh, sorry, record under slash sport on Twitter as well. And of course, on Facebook and Instagram. Guys, as always, it's been a pleasure. God, Michael, thanks very much. Yeah, Daniel, see you soon. Oh, well, guys, see you in the pub. <laughs> thanks for listening. Cheers. <laughs>